Mmm, that's good. Alright guys, welcome to a new episode of Digital Coffee. It is Sunday, so I hope you guys have had a good weekend so far. So just, you know, sit down, get that great cup of coffee that you've got. If you don't know a great cup of coffee, I recommend Stumptown. And they don't pay me, by the way. And uh, let's get into some some tech news. Now, I will say this. Prior to this, this is going to be more of a bold blend for this week's episode because I'm going to be, and well, I'm going to be going off on <laughs> the tech leaders. And they're just not, they're, they're smart when they're trying to build a tech company. They're not smart when it comes to politics or anything else like that. And since this is supposed to be a tech show, but apparently I can't get away from it, we're going to talk about it. So let's get on with it. Uh, so, all right. So if you guys didn't know prior to this, uh, all the big tech uh, tech or social media companies, including Microsoft, Google, um, and search as well, Google, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, all signed a basically kind of a deal with the EU saying that they would take down quote-unquote hate speech from their sites in the EU, they would also contact the authorities and basically, they basically were rats. They, they would rat out you. So fast forward to right now and they have stepped up their game. So Facebook and all of them will, uh, will basically scrub their sites, scrub it, they'll completely scrub it, and they will notify the authorities within 24 hours. So... I'm sorry, people in Europe, I feel for you that you actually don't have free speech. And the funny part about this is that these are all American companies that somehow subs uh, love free speech, but won't actually, you know, utilize it in other parts of the world, especially the EU, which is basically the most authoritarian government that I've ever seen so far. So... I feel for you in Europe that you can't actually say anything against anything that they deem as hate speech because, like I said before in my other podcast, you don't really know what hate speech is. Once again, I could come up with a thing that says that, well, you, I don't like, uh, I don't like communism. And so anybody that talks about communism, I will deem hate speech because that is hate speech. Hate, 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 hate all around. Uh, so you better uh, not say anything about communism because that's considered hate speech to me. So uh, don't don't do that, or I will say hate speech. Look, hate speech. However, somebody else could think that it's not hate speech, and that's perfectly fine. That's my problem about it: is that no same person can actually be the guiding force to deem what hate speech is or not. Because we're all biased in some type of way. So I just don't really understand why these tech companies are bowing down to this. Because they should be dying down to this. They should be saying, look it, we're protecting free speech because we care about this so much. But what they're actually saying is like, yeah, it didn't really matter. We, we, we love the EU. And if the EU says anything, then we're, we're okay with it. Because we love you guys. We love you. No, you're not supposed to do that. Especially Twitter that's been on the whole time talking about how it's an open public forum and they can say whatever they want. Apparently not. Or YouTube, allowing people to upload whatever they want. 
say whatever they want. Well, apparently it doesn't matter anymore because you're saying the wrong thing because they believe in not what you say. So if you don't say the if you don't say the right thing, we're going to tattle on you. We're going to tell on you because how dare you have a different thought process than the rest of us? How dare you criticize Islam for maybe actually not being as peaceful as what everybody else is saying? How dare you actually critically think and question an ideology that's supposed to be peaceful, but you keep on seeing them kill us? How dare you do that? Because that's terrible. Because Islamophobia is not a word. Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. But let's move on to more ridiculous things. Mind you, Facebook is also on the move to test new tools to combat fake news because you know what? They can tell you what fake news is better than you can tell yourself because we're too lazy to actually read our stuff. So they can say, oh, nope, this is fake news, even though it might not be fake news. And we have no idea who, what their criteria is, which is why I always question what fake news is. And I always put in quotation mark, what is fake news? Because if you subscribe to the right, you're going to say Huffington Post, all of them are fake news. If you subscribe to the left, you're going to say Fox News, Breitbart, and all those other are fake news. Well, newsflash for you. They're all different opinions, and you could actually read the actual article instead of making a company that is clearly not caring about free speech in the rest of the world, but only here that cares about it in some ways, saying, oh, this is, this is fake news, so don't. Don't look at it. We're going to take it away. We're going to scrub it because it's fake. Fake. But the problem is that a lot of these mainstream media outlets have actually done fake news themselves. Let's take, for example, I don't know, BuzzFeed and their 55-page dossier that was actually proven false. So you're telling me now, Facebook, that you are finally going to deem actual news sites that actually report fake things that were not actually corroborated well enough you're going to take that down. Are you actually going to take that down? Or are you saying the ones that you don't subscribe to is the only ones you're going to take down? My problem with this is, is that there is nobody holding Facebook accountable. There is no nonpartisan uh, nonprofit saying, well, that's not actually fake news, Facebook. And so you can't actually dub that as that. That's my problem with this, is that in no way is this actually good for any stretch of the imagination. Any of it. None. None. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of these social media companies telling us what is good for us. You you have no right. The reason why social media got so popular is not because you told us what to post. You didn't tell us what's good enough. You told us, hey, look, we provide this avenue for you. We want you to be a part of it. So post what you want to post within reason. I get it. There's within reasons. But that's the thing. Post what you want to post, but also be cognizant of the backlash that you may incur from it, which Kathy Griffith didn't really understand. Uh, so that's my problem with all this, is that now they're telling me what is good and what's not, what's fake, what's real. I'm sorry. I thought, you know, postmodernism was was your, your guys' thing, that there's Nothing true about anything, Woo, which is not really the truth anyways, because they're lying to you. Just, I, Mark Zuckerberg just becomes just not very smart the older he gets. He's maybe really tech savvy and smart and know how to build 
a successful company and there are aspects of people are really smart in, but there's also aspects where people are really dumb in. And this is one of them, they're really dumb in because they bought into this thing that progressivism and this, oh, which actually really isn't progressivism, is all tied to of like expanding and helping people. The problem is that we don't actually tell people when they're doing wrong. It's like, oh, it's just their way. Like not if it kills somebody, it's not their way. And we should be telling them that it's not their way. That's my problem is that there's no criteria. I've read their little guidelines and there is one big glaring problem about this fake news thing is that they put hate speech in there. And I still don't know what they mean by hate speech because they don't define it. If you don't define a term, it doesn't make any sense because anybody could anybody says anything's hate speech now. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm sick of that. Define what it is. Make sure it is clearly defined where people know exactly what you're saying is hate speech. If you just throw out hate speech for the sake because you want to look cool, you're not a cool kid and you're, you have to be out of the parties. I'm sorry. Only cool kids can be a part of the parties, and that's conservatism, it seems like. It's new punk rock, apparently. That's what I've been told. It's new punk rock. All right, moving on to also Mark Zuckerberg. So um, recently he did a commencement speech at Harvard because he finally got a degree in Harvard, which he really didn't get a degree in Harvard because he never finished whatever he was doing. He just got an honorary degree, which basically means that they give it to you because you're influential and you're rich. So they want to make sure that they say, hey, look, he got a degree. But he didn't really get a degree. He actually dropped out of Stanford to pursue Facebook. Well, in his speech, this is why he should never do speeches either. Um, he was he advocated for universal income. I am against universal incomes for a few reasons. One, because we have a welfare system and that doesn't really hasn't done well. If you look at the stats of it, the stats of single-family uh, households, it actually has risen since welfare has been uh, in place. It actually has risen in the black community quite significantly when prior to it there were more stable families of a father and a mother, and now there's less of that. And unfortunately, that is quite a causation for a higher murder rate. So that's another thing. So we already have a, a technically a universal income experiment that we've been doing for quite a while, and it hasn't really produced the results. So I don't understand why he keeps on wanting to do this, especially when he's like, well, I want everybody else to pay for this too. That's the problem with a lot of these influential people is that they have a lot of money and they do, and they do, do a lot of great charitable things, but they still tell us to pay for stuff, which they shouldn't. If they're not willing to put in more money than the average person is willing to put in, I would say don't listen to them in any stretch of the imagination. The problem I have with this is that he keeps on thinking that this is going to help people. The other problem I have with this is that people keep on thinking because of the loss of jobs between automation, that there aren't going to be other jobs springing up, which is actually another f is false. Because if you look at, I don't know, the rise of social media and the rise of YouTube, there have been other jobs springing up of full-time YouTubers that, you know, create their videos. There's been marketing social media managers as well, content creators, that type of thing. The rise of websites, web developers, 
there's been a lot of new jobs that have come out of tech as well. It's just a lot of new jobs that we haven't figured out yet. So every time there is this, well, we're going to lose all our jobs is the people because people can't see beyond what they already know. And so when you're future telling, you're going to get a lot of things wrong. And this is one of the things that they're getting wrong is that you don't know if there will be new sectors coming in. And I'm pretty sure there will be. So there's that as well. So I, I wish he just would stick to like the more inspiring stuff and not go into politics because we were like, oh, him for president. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't need, I don't need terrible policies and being studied without being known being studied. No, 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 no. I don't want to be shadow banned for no apparent reason. No, he's a bad person for that. Bad, terrible. And also moving on to um, Ed Williams. So Ed Williams, if you don't know, he is he was um, one of the co-founders of Twitter. He also is one the founder of the blog site Medium. And he was recently quoted in an article about how the quote-unquote internet is broken because, heaven forbid, Twitter got uh, Trump elected, and since Trump got elected, how dare how dare Twitter just let people talk? How dare it? And so he wants to quote unquote fix the internet because the internet is broken in his mind. Folks, look at these tech leaders have a superiority complex, but also just a a god complex of they can fix anything. Their utopia will usher in happiness and peace. No, it won't. That's not how the internet got so big. The internet got so big because the internet just let people talk. And when people are like, oh, I can just say all oh, this, this is awesome. And that's how all these other tech tech media companies also became really popular from Recode, Mashable, TechCrunch, is because people just let them talk. If you let them talk, it's not broken. The internet is doing what it intended, what it was intended to do. If you didn't like that. Don't be on the internet. But saying, "Oh, I need to, I need to fix the whole internet." You're not going to fix any of it. You're going to fix jack squat. Fine. Completely devoid your medium site of any other counterexamples of, well, not being on the left, and you'll have a very bland, you'll have a very bland site where people won't really want to go to because it's all the same thought. If you have all the same thought, you aren't kind of being challenged by other people's dissenting arguments. And so, and then you're making your argument weaker because you have nobody going against you that is looking at your flaws, or maybe you have the wrong idea. Wow, so profound. So, Ev Williams, you actually saying that you need to fix the internet is completely wrong. The internet doesn't need fixing. Your ideas need fixing. Yeah, let that sink in for a while. But moving on to, I told you this was going to be an extra blend, an extra bold blend. Uh, moving on to the uh, FISA courts. So you even know the FISA courts is kind of like more of a military, not military court, but more for the NSA, different type of courts. It's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. So it does more of intelligence uh, within it, and it's kind of like oversees the NSA and all these other ones. Well, I have some bad news for you. I know a lot of people somewhat like Obama for weird and strange reasons because you actually think he was actually a good president. He was mediocre. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't one of the worst, but he was never one of the best. 
The problem is that under his watch, the NSA was completely tracking people unconstitutionally. Like they were skirting the Fourth Amendment so bad, it wasn't even it wasn't even a good thing. Well, FISA court said, "Hey, look, you got to stop doing this. This is actually not something that's good. You are seriously threatening the Fourth Amendment issue when you're violating it." And the NSA is like, "Okay, we got it. We're, we're fixing it." And this was a couple of years ago. Well, fast forward to April, and FISA was saying, look, it, you haven't actually done this stuff. You're still doing what you're supposed to be doing. This is kind of around Trump's presidency. Stop this. This is a very serious threat to the Fourth Amendment. You cannot do this. You need to stop. You said you weren't going to do this. And under the review, you actually did this. Now, the funny part is nobody's talking about this. Nobody. No big. None of the tech sites are doing it. I'd scrub through them. None of them are actually talking about this. New York Times is not talking about this. CNN never talked about this. I even Google searched it, and it took me a while to find something that actually talked about the court documents. That's how bad nobody was doing it because Russia. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the con Russia. Oh, Russia. But that's a very serious claim if they're still. And it's usually if you just say something, it's illegal spying under the Obama administration. You have to understand he was not the best of the open administration as you think he was. Under his watch, he he prosecuted more reporters than anybody else. Yes, he prosecuted them for, you know, wanting information. How dare they want information? And you never heard anything about that. It was all silence. Also, under the NSA, the probably one of the biggest sur illegal surveillance of all the citizens. This guy did not care about your freedoms as president at all. I do not know why people have this fascination with him, but you have this rose tint colored lens on. You're like, oh, he was so great. When you take it off, you're like, oh, whoa, you did all that? That's not very good. So we need to be realistic about this. Under his watch was not good whatsoever. Under his watch, we were the most surveillance out of probably most, besides after 9-11, probably, probably was the, one of the worst. And... It was under him, the guy that was supposed to, you know, be the change really wasn't the change that we needed. Actually, it was a terrible change. So I don't want to really understand why this is not being talked about. Maybe because this will destroy his legacy even further and the media doesn't want to destroy their supposed emperor of utopia. I'm not, probably the best thing to call it. Also, another thing that hurts my head why, oh, why was Hillary Clinton at a tech conference? Yes, Hillary Clinton was at the Code Conference by Recode. By the way, Recode, why would you put her there is beyond my understanding. It makes absolutely no sense unless you had a session called What Not to Do with Your Servers, because that's what the session should really be about, because basically everything that happened to her is her own fault. Period. Period. There's nothing beyond it. She keeps on blaming Russia for it, but I'm like, dude, you had a private server. You knew the risks. You should have secured that thing. If you're going to do your own private server and not secure it, well, that's your own fault. It's completely your own fault. Like, I, I just don't understand why someone would be here. But no, she did a little swan song. <laughs> 
oh, look at me, Russia was going after me, I was the biggest news, because, you know, 30,000 emails were never found for some odd reason, and I don't know how that happened, that they all got erased, and how all this information got out, but, you know, it, it couldn't have been my server that wasn't protected. No, blame everybody else except for yourself because you're the one that installed a private server that wasn't secured. Why are you at a tech conference when you can't even do the simple thing of securing your own server? Once again, why was she at the code conference when she is not really anything about tech unless it's something about the wrong thing to do in tech, which is not securing your server, or at least trying to actually have security in your server. I don't know. Firewall would actually been a good idea. But nope, nope. Let's let's just give her the platform to you know, cry her little fake tears away. Uh, I got I got hacked and I was the biggest news of the century because uh, the former Secretary of State got hacked with all the private information and top secret information. Duh. This world is just. My mind goes, oh, everything will eventually make sense. And then this stuff happens. I'm like, it still doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? And then here's another thing. All right, Tech Country is finally reporting. And I will warn you about this. I've, I don't know this reporter personally, but I've always seen her name. Anything about diversity reports. The problem I have with diversity reports is, is that it's only skin deep. The biggest thing about diversity reports that should put in is the diversity of mindset. Who's left? Who's right? That would be a bigger portion. But you know what? Most of these people don't even care about that. They just care about the skin color. So their their actual worth is only skin deep. Yay! There's finally released a diversity report that doesn't actually tell you the mindset of people. You got to know everything about people. Not just, oh, it does there's this many pe white people or there's this many... Black people, this many Hispanics, this many Asian people, and so on and so forth. That's my problem about this, is that there is nothing that is talking about the diversity of thought. The most important thing that we neglect all the time, because it's the hardest thing to figure out and find, is that one. Why is there no report on this? I want to see a diversity of thought report more than I want to see just a regular diversity report. If the diversity report had all encompassing, that'd be great. But this reporter only cares about skin color, which always comes up in my mind. It's like, so you only care about race. So wouldn't that kind of make you racist because you only care about the skin color of people instead of the actual thoughts about people? Because isn't that the most important thing to talk about the thoughts about people? Because the thoughts about people is actually what you would understand and know about people and actually see if they're intelligent or not, or if they need help to be, you know, point the way to the right direction of uh, better thoughts. Am I the only one that thinks that this is the more, more important thing here, especially in tech? Because tech, we're all supposed to be smart, but apparently we're only smart in our algorithms, building and scaling. But beyond that, beyond the beyond the practical, the philosophical, we get lost. Because we're all in San Francisco, except for me. But we're all in San Francisco, the dark blue state of California, where all the cesspools go. Yes, you can meme that or you can replay that all you want to. That's what that's really, I really think about it. All right. Moving on to the biggest thing and the biggest takedown that I had to do for everybody again. It's funny how every time 
tech is getting more and more into politics and I can't really stay away from it. I would love to stay away from it and just talk about tech and how awesome tech is. But no, all the other tech leaders have to get into, into politics. So let's go. Okay, so the Paris, the Paris Agreement. It's supposed to usher in a way for us to help the planet, to make sure that we aren't destroying the planet, which is all fine and good. The problem is with this Paris Accord or the Paris Agreement is that it is a non it's it's basically a contract that has no way of verifying if countries are doing this. So you can sign this and never actually do anything about it because no one's going to be tracking. No one's going to be holding you accountable on this. So why should we be involved in general? Because if no one's hold, no one's holding China, Iran, Russia, India, Pakistan accountable, because all of these are very, they do produce a lot more pollution than we do, then why should we care? The other thing is, is that a lot of these tech leaders are saying how terrible it is, but aren't really understanding the impact of it. So uh, in a few years, it could lose about 2.7 million jobs. And the biggest hit would be the coal industry, obviously, but it also be automotive. It would also be manufacturing jobs. It would be a whole slew of other sectors as well, which is really funny to me because Tim Cook is like, I tried to convince Trump that he was doing something, that he should stay in there. And I'm like, why would you be telling him to stay in there when, A, America's losing a whole bunch of jobs, B, it's putting America on the hook for trillions of dollars to do, I don't know, 0.02 uh, difference in, client, in uh, temperature and barely seeing an impact on it, maybe... It wouldn't be a very big impact. Also, China is committed to it. Their commitment is to peak their emissions. So basically, they wouldn't even be cutting off their their emissions. Also, India is like, well, if you give us money, we'll actually you know, start doing something about it. But unless you give us money, we won't do anything about it. So, oh, great. So you need a handout. So we're supposed to be the daddy of the world, throwing out money to everybody because... We care so much about our children, but there aren't our kids, and we're not supposed to be the world police, but if we're supposed to be the person financing all this, why can't we be the disciplinarian at the same time? Oh, wait, because that would be violating the country's sovereign rights, but if they need our money, it's it's cool. Yeah, I don't get these tech people at all, because they're like, oh, how terrible it is that it won't actually help the world at all, because China refuses to actually cut down on it until they reach peak means basically that their economy finally matures. Same thing with Pakistan, same thing in India, same thing with Iran. They aren't doing very much, and they're not going to do very much. So the impact of this is not going to be very good. The, the results are awful, especially since uh, American households lose an average about $7,000. I don't want to lose that much money. And also, our, it will be added to our debt of trillions of dollars being spent so this is just a bad deal for us in general. And so why should we sign it? Yes, we're, all, we're the only one of three countries that didn't sign the thing. Nicaragua and Syria were the other two. But why? The only reason why is because, well, people hate us because we're number one. So they're trying to take us down a peg. So great. China, Russia, pick it up. Pick up the slack. If you think this is so important, you you pick up the tab this time. Why do we have to always pick up the tab? There's no reason why we should pick up this tab, especially since there is no accountability for if they're actually going to do this. So I don't understand why the tech people, tech leaders are like, oh, this is so terrible. We should be a part of this because it's going to help us. 
In what ways? By losing jobs? By staggering, making our economy stagnant? By supposedly doing some good with green energy, even though that a lot of the times innovation comes from the private sector anyways? And so why should the government be involved with it? I don't really understand, but I'm talking really fast because, well, there's just a lot. And it just boggles my mind about leaders not being very smart and not being open to both sides of the argument. Every time tech leaders come out, it's always on the worst side I've ever seen. There's some things that I actually agree with. This is one thing I do not agree with. Unless the tech leaders care less about American jobs. Apparently blue-collar jobs, they hate. Sorry, middle America, they hate you for some weird reason. I'm from California. I understand that you guys need bills to pay, jobs to do, and you can't just learn new skills that easily. And this is just one of the ways of making a living, and I'm completely fine with that. Plus, there's also clean coal, and so why should we find ways of making prior technology even better. That's what a lot of tech companies do anyway. So I'm really confused about why this is such a terrible thing and why they should, ah, these people are terrible. Ah, they don't know that green energy is supposedly the, the right way forward, but it's not there yet. The innovation is not there yet. It's not there. I mean, Germany did this and their emissions went up. They also, ha they also have huge surplus of energy and not enough sometimes. And when they can't store it anywhere either, which is another funny thing. Because if you can't store it, you just have a lot of energy that you have to waste or get rid of. And you can't get rid of it. It's just wasted. So once again, hey, tech companies, why don't you actually you know, pull your money together and help, it, and help them yourselves? There's no other reason why you should make everybody else pay for it and then just wiggle your finger like you're the dad that knows better when you don't. And Elon Musk, let's let's get on to him because he, he left the Trump, he left the Trump uh, economic advisory board. So here's my problem with him. Everybody thinks he's this tech luminary and visionary. The problem is he's taking billions of dollars away from taxpayers to actually fund his own businesses, build up other businesses as well, and he keeps on trying to like, oh no no, see I'm still doing stuff, I'm still doing work. Well, why don't you put your own money into it? Stop taking all our money away from it. Anyways, let's go into other infrastructures that actually need it. We don't need to give you this stuff. You want, I'm happy that you're trying to make electric cars the thing and you're trying to innovate that through, but you didn't have to innovate it with our money. You could have done it through yourselves and you tried to do VCs and other things, but no, you're still not making money. You're not making a profit on it yet. You're eventually going to do it, I imagine, or hope I imagine, but... You taking billions of dollars away from taxpayers' money to actually fund your own three different companies? Yeah, I don't call you tech illuminary. I don't call you tech visionary. I call you a guy trying to take a free handout and thinking I'm this great person. And nah, not really. To be honest with you, not, not really that great of a person. Actually kind of a douche. Just a little bit. I'm going to get out of the, the advisory board because I don't agree with somebody. Yeah, that's, that's a good way of playing it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Let's all do that. Oh, I'm going to quit my job because I don't agree with my boss. Like, who doesn't agree with everybody all the time? That's that's my thing. It's just, now it's just cool to be like, I don't agree with this person, so I'm going to leave. Look at me. I'm making a stand for nothing because, you know, I'm leaving this thing instead of making an impact. I'm just going to leave in general because he didn't listen to me. He doesn't have to listen to you. That's why it's called an advisory board to give advice. I don't know. I guess I have to, you know. The smart people, I guess I have to tell them what advice actually means because advice actually means that you give it to them, but the person doesn't have to actually have to take your advice. Advice is not, I give you the advice, now you must 
no, learn from me. You must take it in. You must use it. Use my knowledge. Use my power. But no, it's I give you advice. I can take your advice or I don't have to take it. I can think it's worthy of me listening to you or I don't. So there's still a choice between me listening to your advice and me not listening to your advice. There's that choice. Let's understand that part about it because we don't. Because we all think that when we give advice, everybody in the world should listen to our advice because we are the smartest person in the room unless there's somebody else that might be smarter than you. But that's my problem about this is that advisory board is there for advice. It's a, very, it's a way to give advice, but you, you, the president doesn't have to take your advice. Like, I, I didn't think this was such a hard concept to understand, but apparently it is. Because yeah, Elon Musk is gone. He's gone, but he's more than willing to take our money. Because, you know, that's, that's all that matters, is that he takes our money. <laughs> all right, moving on. Now, I, I purposely did this to put this last so it doesn't look like I'm just completely just crapping on everything in tech. Because I love tech. In general, I really love tech. It's just the people in tech, I sometimes scratch my head, bang, bang my head against the wall and want to punch, put a punching bag with all their faces and paper and just, just punch it sometimes because I'm like, you're wrong, you're wrong. But I don't want to hurt anybody. That's why I said paper instead of actual people because I still actually think that we should treat people as well as we can even though we don't agree with all of that. But moving on to what I'm actually going to say, Skype is getting a huge redesign. Yes, it's going to be more like well, Snapchat. So yes, Skype is becoming a little bit more social friendly. Uh, the original one was a little antiquated right now. So this is going to be helping with more emojis, more chats, more different types of filters for your video chats as well, just to make it a lot easier. Uh, I don't know how well this is going to go for YouTubers, because YouTubers actually do this use this quite a bit for um, interviews as well. So we'll see if this actually gets better for interviews too, and if the sound gets better and it's easier to convert as well. Because if they actually do something like that as well, this could actually be a really good thing as well. It's not out quite yet, so you're not really going to see this probably for probably for a couple months. Um, but they have announced what it's going to look like. It does look actually interesting. It has a kind of Snapchat, almost Instagram like to it. The blue is gone. It's white and black. So they very they went very Instagram. When Instagram was that colorful, different um, UI to just black and white. That's what they did now. So it's not only a Snapchat generation or Snapchat-like thing, but it's also a very Instagram-like thing as well in there. I think it's... I think it's a great thing if they can actually implement this really well and actually make this run without mostly without a hitch and just have a few bugs. This actually could steal market share from the other ones as well, especially with Snapchat. But Snapchat may not want that because they're being attacked on all sides. Uh, but like I said, this this was supposed to be the thing where I'm not going to be mad. So yay for Microsoft doing something good and not trying to get involved with politics. But yeah, that's that's how it is so far. So I would actually look still look look into this. They're actually it's going to be changing on uh, iOS, Android, and the web as well, and it's going to have that black and white feel to it. So gone is the blue. No more blue. No more Skype blue. Well, if it actually was called Skype blue, but no more blue. It's all black and white. It's all just unimportant. It's just. I think the focus was is to get people to chat, get people to actually do that, and to leave the colorfulness of the UI to nothing. 
and it might be a new design just making everything black and white i think it might actually be the newer design but we'll, we'll see we'll see how well it goes if it actually goes out without hitch or there's some problems with it and all right everybody that is the end of this week in digital coffee Yes, I know it was quite a bit of more politics than I wanted it to be, but I felt it was important to talk about that stuff as well because I want to give kind of a right slant to everything as well. But anyways, thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Brett Dyster, as always. And follow Digital Coffee on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all the other ones. Also, uh, subscribe to Digital Coffee on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio and tune in. And as always, if you like something or if you like this podcast, please consider going to the Digital Coffee Podcast Store and picking up a t-shirt, a coffee mug. I got some great new stuff on there. I got the, uh, I identify as a non-binary coffee. I got the white, flat white privilege as well. I got some controversial stuff, plus some non-controversial stuff like God Mode. If you're a gamer, you'll understand that one, especially an old school gamer. But anyways, guys, have a great rest of your week and see you on Sunday. Later, guys. Thank you.